to the Rockman Show. It's time for Rockman to give his opinions, his views, and his thoughts on life and rock. So grab a beer, buckle in, and get ready to rock. fucking idiot today the shit that happened to me this week was just fucking unreal I mean I did shit that my ex-wife fucking did I felt like a fucking moron I felt like fucking teleport me with the aliens which I think she had done I don't know but I uh, fell for one of the biggest scams in the world I uh, I don't know if I told you guys but I had my phone stolen in New Orleans and you always wonder there's so much shit on your fucking phone and you're like, well, can anybody get in there? Like, Apple's like, no, no, no one can get in there. You're fine. That's bullshit. I agree, dude. Uh, how do you know? Uh, well, I had successes, but they all that uh, ended up on OnlyFans. Really? Like, uh, I don't even want to know. No, it's, it was pretty, it was a little bit embarrassing, just to have. With you, sir, nothing's embarrassing. That's cool. Thank you. So anyway, uh, I'm getting these text messages from quote unquote Apple all week. Like, your phone's been found. It's compromised. You need to contact us. Go to this website. No link. It wasn't a link. Because I've seen the links. I'm like, oh, fuck you. I'm not going to do that. That's bullshit. I know it's a scam. So I get blown up. I'm like, you know what? My bank shit was on there. So much stuff on there. And I said, on, or did on Apple, I was like, you know, if the phone gets an internet signal, fucking erase. Fucking erase. And I told Apple the phone's stolen. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should just call Apple. So I Google Apple support. I click on the link. Looks legit. I call the number. And I get this. Hello, this is Ahmad from Apple. Can I help you? That should have been the first fucking sign. I didn't see it. Fucking cut callable. I was like, you know what? I'm worried. I don't want to get scammed. I have money in my account right now that's about to be gone because I got to fix my house. That's another story for another time. But I proceeded to give Ahmad way too much information, or whatever his name. I think it was Jugdish, or whatever. Asshole. Fucking assholes. What his name was. So anyway, I'm getting asked these all these questions and stuff like that, and I'm like, you know, dude. 
why do you want to get into my Venmo if my phone's compromised? Oh, sir, I'm telling you, you should get into Venmo and show me right now because I want to make sure your account's not be, being compromised because we have outstanding payment for $500 to Apple and I want to cancel this transaction for you. I want you to email my boss at blah, 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 at hotmail.com. I was like, well, I thought he worked at fucking Apple with you. He does, sir. I was like, well, why didn't he have a fucking Apple email? Oh, sir, I'll give you Christian's number. It's 865 blah, 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 blah. I'm like, fuck you, dude. And I hung up on it. Sadly enough, your boy Ragman was stupid gullible and he gave way too much information. Hence, closing bank accounts, everything. That said, uncompromised, nothing happened except for a lot of headache. That said, welcome to the Ragman Show. And hey, we're live. Another live show. How lucky are you? How lucky am I? Because I have my buddy Alex here. And we have our audience member Paul again. Yeah, Paul. Howdy. Oh, sorry, Alex. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. Let's ahead, clap for Paul. <laughs> and let's clap for Alex. Yay, Alex. Yay. So Alex is my buddy. We run together on Thursdays. And he is an avid, avid music fan. I Indeed. And a beer drinker. When they let me. Well, yeah. Well, when you let yourself, sir. Sure. <laughs> so, welcome to the Ragman Show, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, for what it's worth, I worked a spell uh, at Apple Support. Really? And I will just say this: um, they will. In the event that things like that happen, contact you at your iCloud's email address and virtually no other way. If if you're getting a text or a phone call, well, that's what guaranteed phony. That's what put me up is guaranteed. I, it was coming from iCloud, but it was a fake website, shit like that. So I was like, no, that's that's trash. Yeah. The uh, I mean, it would come from like support.apple.com, but it would be at the inbox of the email address that you registered to gotcha. iCloud. Just for any, uh, you know, future... No other morons out there. Right, so. well... Yeah, it's uh, a weird thing because you just kind of don't ever consider um, the breadth of which, you know, that stuff will affect you if it right. does happen. You, know, you kind of just use your phone nonchalantly and don't think twice about how much information is stored. Right, and there's so much in there, right? Pretty, pretty commonplace scenario, actually. Yeah, so I got paranoid, and I think that's where my weakness came in. I was like, if I call Apple, which I thought I was doing, when Jugdish got on the phone, no offense to any people or anything like that, I'm just making up a name, because this guy's, let's, let's call him asshole. Let's not call him Jugdish. Well, I anymore. mean, you could have me, the kid from Dixieland. Yeah, I would rather, know, I mean, had I talked to you. It would be just as bad. No one likes calling support. Right, right. But <laughs> I should have known, because my ex-wife got into something with Facebook years ago. They got into her uh, laptop and just fucked everything up. And this guy was actually trying to get my laptop. I'm like... Dude, you don't need to get my laptop. This is about my fucking phone, not about my laptop. Oh, no, sir. I was like, oh, fuck you, dude. So I, I luckily was smart enough uh, where the fucking light bulb finally turned on to say, sure. get the fuck out now or this is going to be really bad. So luckily I was able to get out of it. But, dude, I kicked myself in the ass for like 
about two days. So I'm like, you dumb motherfucker. You yeah. dumb motherfucker. Well, in uh, the digital frontier, you got to be vigilant. This is true. So, Alex, we're at Bad Astronaut Brewing Company here in Houston. Indeed. It seems like there's a theme. We do live shows from breweries. How's that? Well, I'd say that's just fine. Um, you know, it perhaps gives uh, the interviewee or you a, uh, a more lackadaisical environment to speak in. But a lot of times I'll go, I'll stand behind people, I should say, that are in these uh, scenarios of we're at a radio station being broadcast on the, on the giant tower and uh, I just stand back and keep my mouth shut the entire time. So, you know, maybe say a hi, mom, but... Uh, this is more just like we're cutting up, so yeah, uh, yeah we're so talking live. I'd say a beer, a little bit nicer environment. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I tell you what, since I had such a shitty week, I want you to help me pick a song, something very brutal, and I'm gonna pick it from one of your bands you really dig, Lamb of God. Let's pick something fucking brutal, dude, to play right now oh. to talk about Ragman's angst and pissed offness of this week, if that's a word. There's a a great song from them off the newest one they've done, Omens, that I really love. And of course it's the lead single, but I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know. It's cool. I'm a poppy kind of guy. Uh, it's called Ditch, and I think the metaphor they're going for is, you know, sometimes you dig yourself into a ditch, but it's as much as you made the choice to dig that ditch, uh, it's your decision to stop digging. And I dug that motherfucker. Out. Yeah. <laughs> so, Let's do it. Some Lamb of God Ditch. and then we'll jump into a beer. Uh, so Alex and I went to a show probably six months ago, maybe? It was... Uh, October. October, yeah, yeah. So let me get my fingers out. November, December, January, February. Yeah, five months ago. So we saw Lamb of God with Killswitch Engage. I went for Killswitch. I like. I will say this, and I mentioned this on the show before. I liked Lamb of God live in the studio. I'm not as big a fan. But live, they kick my ass every time I see them live. They fucking rock. And you almost had a religious experience that night, I think. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, I'd only seen a, a couple groups in that sort of uh, ilk. You know, I've seen Mastodon on the Crack the Sky Tour in 09. They came to my hometown. And I've seen like, Behemoth. I've been adjacent uh, to metal through friends or bandmates, but... Um, 
Yeah, there was just something so cathartic about that show. Um, and that guy, Randall Blythe, is, uh, like, quite the front man. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely got, like, the energy that, that you would want uh, for that type of show. And despite, you know, hip injuries and whatnot, I got into the circle pit a bit. And, uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed myself. And uh, not being so familiar with the music, but being just floored by it in person, it has kind of caused me to dive into the treasure trove that is their discography. Um, you know, I know it may or may not be for everybody, but especially the stuff that they have made um, with their newer drummer, I guess his name is Art Baez. Baez, I might be saying that incorrectly, but um, yeah, they're, they're going in a direction that I really like. Nice. It's high-octane music. Well, I want to ask you a question as far as... You mentioned Behemoth, and you saw Behemoth. Yes. I would say Behemoth... Long ago. That's one of the scariest acts I've ever seen live. It yeah, was so really the, creepy as fuck. The dude. lead guy, Nurgle, he's, like, spitting on kids, and he's wearing the mask. <laughs> yeah. And then just there's, like, fire, and the CO2's going off. You can't even see, because there's so much hazer. And, uh, yeah, it was a scary show. It was definitely my first exposure to watching them um, you know split the crowd and then having the wall of death yeah uh, and I, I couldn't have been but like a freshman sophomore in high school and I was just glued to like the front of house railing at the back yeah just totally taking it in but yeah metal shows are um, there, there's something to say about I think both the uh, call and response from the audience yeah that you don't necessarily get at uh, pop shows or, you know, like, more laid-back stuff in rock shows where I guess the vibe is more to just relax or chill or zone out. It seems like people go to metal shows with the intent of, like, getting in there, enjoying it for the raw power. I want to see, I saw Behemoth open up for Slayer on their final tour. And, dude, it was like I'd entered into hell. It was really creepy and scary. Oh, yeah. I've never been that scared at a show. I was like, the, the wall of sound and the whole stage presence, it felt I was like in the, I'm in the presence of evil. Yeah, I won't dwell on it much. Yeah. Um, but uh, there, is, there is this kid, uh, Jordan Carter from Atlanta, who is doing that very same thing with hip-hop right now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he's kind of creating an environment at his shows that uh, would leave you feeling uh, uneasy, uh, maybe not so safe. It's like, I need to go to church tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, and in the wake of what's been happening in the world, I think, uh, like I, I spoke back to Lamb of God saying it was a sort of cathartic experience. I think especially for the kids to go out and to be able to rage like that. Um, you know, if you can do it safely, it's a good thing. I tell you what, before we get into the beer, let's play some... Not bad to be scared. Right, right. I mean, it's like horror rock, right? It's like, I love horror movies, so I love being scared. Yeah. But there, I felt like I was in a satanic church. One of the best ways to feel alive. Which was in Sugarland at that Smart Financial, yeah. Wow, that's funny to think that they they turned Smart Financial into hell for an evening. It did, it did. That place is the antithesis of that in my memory. I tell you what, I've never played any behemoth. We're going to play some right now. We'll just go dealer's choice. Let's do it.
Alright, we're all thirsty here. We all have beers. I saw my friend Allie a minute ago. That's why I keep looking back. I was going to have her come guest and tell us about the beers. If we find her, we will. Like we had Paige on the uh, last Genghis and Ragman show. So, Mr. G, get us a beer, sir. We all have three beers like we did on the last Genghis and Ragman show. And I've gone with the Hazy New England. Uh, it's my go-to every time. I'm drinking Fake Landing. Basically, it looks like pineapple juice in a glass. Not a lot of lacing, a little bit of lacing, no real head. Uh, very, I mean, the beauty of this beer is just like, fuck, dude. I really like the look of this beer. And I've had this before, and i got to say, I haven't been... It's like, eh, it's okay. It's okay. It's not great. It's not kicking my ass or anything like that. But today, I don't know if I'm at the bottom of the barrel or they've changed the recipe. But I got to say, this thing is solid today. So, on appearance, I'm going to give it a four. Aroma, very citrusy. Lots of good citrus notes there. Uh, I think it's going to be really creamy just by the look out of it. It's usually kind of watery, but today, I got a feeling. So let me have a drink. Hey, cheers, guys. Hey. Cheers. cheers. All right. Oh, wow. That's really good. Very A lot of tropical notes. A little bit of hint of pineapple with citrus. Uh, not really a bitter finish. Kind of a sweet, slightly sweet finish. Very smooth. It's a little more watery than I thought. I thought it'd be maybe a little bit more creamy. But I got to say, um, it's solid. And it's the best batch of this I've ever had. I don't think I'm going four, but I'll go three and a half. So, Alex, what, were you, what are you drinking, sir? Uh, so, I had the Cloud Punch. Uh-huh. Which is uh, reading off the 10 uh, Pilsner. So, you know, I see that word and I just think a fine healing elixir. Um, they, uh, it, they did well on this. I don't know if it's, uh, like, you know, what to compare it to, maybe... Peroni, it's just light on the on the hot profile, but not yeah. hazy, not not too uh, ornate. It's just, yeah. a, you know, a good beer. What would you rate it? So our ratings on the show go from one to four, four being best, one being worst, and you can have halves. Okay, uh, I mean, drum roll, please, John. You know, I'm gonna go ahead and just give this a four because really? I could I could drink maybe like two to three more and and not really want to deviate. Question for you though, here or will you say, damn, I got to go to Bad Astronaut and go get that fucking cloud? So I don't ever uh, really pledge allegiance to one. Oh, interesting. Okay. Beer, you know, yeah. it's like where we run, I get I get the lager or the kaizen just because I mean it's more of the same, right? Um, but 
when I'm searching for a, a nuanced thing, you know, I'll probably have some sort of memory of it. Uh, I still long uh, for the brash Cali Green, and um, even though I know you can get the takeaway and all that, yeah, I really, I want to go and you know have it That's straight from the draft. Yeah. Uh, so it's like there are definitely IPAs um, that I can think of that I would want again. Uh, Snake Handler out of Good People in Birmingham, but. Yeah, when it comes to, again, just ordering a, a pills or a lager, I'm probably going to get whatever's, whatever's on the menu. and then you know, There you go. That's what I go for. But there are definitely some people that do it better than others. Um, you know, without saying names, there's there's breweries around town that oh, I go, yeah, and yeah, I'm just like, sure. well, this is unimpressive, and yeah. I might I might not come back. But Yeah, my second time here so far, and I'm, this place is brilliant. I love the, the scope of it. Yeah. It's nice and big. Huge. It's larger than life. Yeah, like definitely. everything else in Houston. <laughs> exactly. All right, Paul, your turn, man. What are you drinking? <clears throat> so I'm drinking the. Uh, this is the legendary. It's red ale. It's a little different for me. I'm not used to drinking red ale, so I thought I'd give it a shot, and uh, it's not bad. I mean, if you if you care for it, yeah, go for it. But uh, me, I give it oh about three stars on it. So I'm not a I'm not a real big fan of, of red ale. I can tell you that, but um, I will continue to drink this and enjoy it with my buds and uh, go from there. Yeah, it says St. Patty's thing deal, so everybody does the red stouts for St. Patrick's Day. So, anyway, uh, let's kick into another song. What, what else is your jam right now, bro? Doesn't have to be metal, whatever you're jamming to. Um, so, yeah, not necessarily metal, but in the vein of just great 12-bar rock, um, it has been rodeo season here, uh, and I was uh, very fortunate um, to be able to attend one of the shows uh, with some friends. Uh, we went and saw this guy. Go ahead. Alex, uh, uh, there's, there's no country music on this show. I'm just going to tell you, sir. You okay. bre- if, you, if you ask for it, you breach contract, sir. Okay. So, this fellow, though, Cody Jinx. I, I'm watching you, sir. He, uh... He's not playing, um, you know, a beer, beer sort of truck country. Uh-huh. He's got this one song that I've just been listening to nonstop. It's called Cast No Stones. Okay. And it's sort of about how, um, you know, he just wants to amicably get by and, you know, avoid trouble. Uh, and it's just, I, some of the more earnest songwriting uh, I've especially witnessed live um, in the realm of, I guess, yeah, we'll call it. I don't know if it's red dirt or what subgenre of country this is, but it struck a nerve with me. Um, past that, to get more back into the field of what you uh, are more privy to, I did mention before we got recording. Uh, I've been listening to Diary of a Madman. Oh, okay. Um, we can just, play the Cody guy if you want. Oh no, 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 no. We uh, <laughs> they all want to hear. What was his name? It was uh, Keeser, right? They want to hear the original, uh... Ozzy? Yeah, the original, uh... Who's the original dude man that played guitar for him? It was because it was oh, just Randy Rose. the first Randy Rose. two records. Yeah, yeah Randy Rose, yeah. So, I guess it's that era um, I had not really been exposed to uh, growing up. You know, my dad loves, like, the Eagles and Bachman Turner Overdrive and stuff. That's yeah. way too heavy for him, I guess, you know, <laughs> in yeah. an era where there could have been such a thing compared to now. Right. But, um, yeah, especially, again, with the, the big lead single, uh, that Flying High Again, 
is just such a, a triumphant and it is awesome song. It's one of those um, songs that never gets old. I mean, for a guy that grew up when that came out and Paul as well, yeah. that's a song that just does not age. Oh, it's yeah. just so good today as it was the day it came out. Yeah. Um, him just coming into those choruses and, you know, I mean, imagine, and I guess for me, it is something I didn't really get to experience, but knowing, like, the mystique and the lore of Ozzy. Yeah. That's a, that's a badass song. It's a great song. Let's play it. Little Ozzy, flying high again. Like at a brewery, like we are today, and the guy behind the bar calls you boss. Here you go, boss. I mean, are you really the boss? I don't know. I mean, I'm not his boss. I guess I'm the boss if I'm telling him what I want to drink. But does that make me the boss? I'm not paying him any money. Oh, I guess I am, but not unless if I tip him, I'm paying him money technically. But am I? Boss. Why did he call me boss? He could call me sir, man, dude, but why am I boss? I don't know. I don't know either. I sort of feel the same way about when people call me buddy. Yeah, and they're not really your buddy. Or like I've never met you in my life. Hey buddy, how's it going? Or buddy, right? Mm-hmm. Precisely. Thanks, boss. Dick. He's, he's such an asshole. Every, he's got to throw his little fucking two cents in every fucking five minutes. So anyway, uh, back to the show here. Uh, I went to a show last night. I just retort and call him Champ. Champ. <laughs> there you go. What's up, Champ? Uh, I went to a show last night. I saw Pitver King. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, Lorna Shore and Alpha Wolf. And... Kingdom of something, but they're really cool. I really, I played them on the show. Sorry, Kingdom, I forgot the last part of your name. But I have a question for you. So, two-parter, because Alex can't really dive into too much, but he helps set up shows and stuff like that. Indeed, I I work in AV. So, I find it weird, and I want to know you what you think as a, you know, a concert goer, you see more of the younger bands like I'm into now too where there's four guys on stage maybe five a singer, two guitar players and a drummer no bass player 
So, where's the base? Is it is it in the computer? Are they all playing along to a track? Or are the guitars so down-tuned that one of the guitar players could be actually doing the bass lines on a guitar? Yeah, so it's sort of like an all-of-the-above answer. Um, it really just depends on the specific band. Um, and then I, even more so, um, I you know, the way that they are orchestrating the show. Uh, without saying names, there are definitely a lot of bands that do play to some sort of backing track, even if it's just the drummer playing along to a click. Um, a lot of shows are time-coded, meaning that the same show occurs every night and it's based on some file in Ableton or the like. Um, but that's not necessarily uh, a bad thing. It, that's kind of just the industry norm as to why there may be two dudes playing you know guitars any instrument with no bassist yeah my immediate assumption is is that they are they either have low end on a backing track or like you said they're down to into a, a point to where it's negligible um, it's also possible that someone has like a little MIDI controller or keyboard off stage or behind a stack of amps um, I mean, there's a lot of scenarios where sound is being made. You just can't see it. Well, I want to say I want to say it was Lorna Shore last night that there was a guy and he had this like keyboard pad and he was pressing buttons. It looked like I don't know. I'm old school. It looked like a Merlin. You were the little yeah. yeah you push the buttons as like you're a little kid. You're like oh I hit this and yeah. It's got the little sound. It looked like he was doing that to the thing. Like it was like it was almost prompting him to hit the button. And yeah, he was hitting the buttons. There, there are. Um, I doubt that Warren Ashore would use this, but I have a. It's called the Novation Launchpad, and it's made by Ableton, or in tandem with them. That that piece of software I mentioned earlier, um, and it allows you to, whether you're recording or playing live on the fly, just trigger uh, samples or little snippets of sound, or um, you know a MIDI note or. Well, maybe I saw it wrong, too, but I saw him hitting and the buttons were lighting yeah. up and stuff like that. And I tell you what, Lorna Shore, they were so good last night. Uh, let's, yeah. let's play some real quick. I, I want people to hear Lorna Shore. They're really cool. Just go dealer's choice. Get in there.
about that? How about that? So, no, I was just kind of curious. And then, on another note, I noticed that, and this bothers me, in the, the age of being out of the pandemic and COVID and all that stuff, and they're about to say COVID's not even a risk anymore. It's probably like the flu, which it probably already was. Let's not get political. But there's still guys on stage wearing fucking masks. Like, there was like, uh, I think the bass player in the band and then the drummer were wearing masks and the other two guys are without masks but they're all four together on stage away from people that could give them COVID why are they wearing masks on stage yeah I mean there's I I think a lot of gray area uh, involving the why I'll say day before yesterday I worked for a tour um, and we had not I had not seen this at least this year um, but they they made us do COVID checks, and really? until we um, were able to present the negative test, we did have to stay masked up. You know, all the techs and stagehands, everybody that isn't a part of the show but is working the show, they stay sort of in a holding pattern before you begin. And um, yeah, before we were able to enter the venue and start working, we, we had to test negative and mask up. So it just a lot of times that comes down to um, whether it's the talent or the tour personnel, um, they you know they just still have that precaution. I think it's um, I think the cat is out of the bag in terms of the general public. If you go out and attend a, a sold out show or go to an airport, yeah, um, I think most people are whether they are socially or mentally what have you well and done with it. I do think that there are probably a solid demographic of people who still want to be cautionary about it just because it might compromise their health yeah um, but I do think by and large yeah especially my work season so far this year compared to last year we are back in full swing as they would say but, yeah, I mean, you know it's just one of those things some some tours come through everyone's wearing a mask huh. uh, they ask us to mask up others you know, it's a thing of the past almost. Yeah. It's almost like it never happened. Yeah, yeah. And it, at this point, yeah. which is weird, you think where we are in 23, where we were in 20, it seems like that was just like a bad memory, like two years ago or three years ago, whatever it is now. Yeah. Well, that I think is maybe the responsorial effect of having to go through the obligations of locking down. And even if you didn't... Um, personally choose to do that you know a lot of businesses greater part of the world did so yeah everyone was affected by it oh yeah totally no matter which stance they took on it so let me ask you this in in a weird way so i was going through a divorce in the pandemic hit i had to stay in the house and basically live under the same roof with my ex-wife which she was being evil and uh, I'd gone to a separate room. Bless your heart. <laughs> and I actually have fond memories of, not that situation, but I was cooking at home and I was doing stuff. I was uh, interviewing people all over the world for the podcast. Yeah. And it wasn't that bad a thing for me. And I didn't have to go to the office. I basically worked maybe 30 minutes a day and got paid 20% less. Yeah. But it was life was kind of easy at that point now it's things are back to normal i'm stressed like motherfucker and you know we're back to the grind 
Do you have any fond memories of when you were in the pandemic or no? When it was shut down, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, uh, I basically started getting um, stimulus checks to play World of Warcraft. <laughs> I finished up my uh, associates in computer science online, which I was basically kind of doing anyway. Um, and then I sort of just had a pretty fortuitous period of getting to sit around and play the six string and, yeah, you know, kind of just live in limbo for a spell. Not necessarily uh, that I planned that, but I got to do it. And um, I actually moved during that time. And uh, that's when we met, when yeah. you came to Houston. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say I look back on it like I don't cherish it as much as other memories, but it wasn't the worst period of my life. Me neither. I mean, a lot of people were really down and out and stuff like that. Fortunately, I kept my job. I lost some of my money. I was going through a really brutal divorce, but I think of the positives that I had yeah. in that whole period than the negative stuff. It was a bit fortuitous. That was actually when I started working and also stopped working at Apple because it was like start yeah. in the midst of it. And now that, you know, I pretty much transitioned from doing that to working AV because, you know, the shows were coming back um, and I was able to go out and play, you know, in my own bands again and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I had no problems. I would do my little, uh, I think I worked like six to four, four days on, three off, and I would just go run at Memorial and, yeah, you know, breweries were still open. You just had to drink the parking lot. And sure. Yeah, we did it a few times, yeah, my friend. Yeah, it was, We know, closed uh, Equal Parts Down. I don't know how many times. It, it, you know, personally, I didn't view it as in times. It were just different times. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. It's a different, definitely a different time. And I don't know. I, I have, I, it's weird. I have fond memories about it. But I remember, you know, I could like do interviews and talk to people in Greece or whatever for the show. I'd mix like a motherfucker. I'd go exercise at the park. Yeah. Go home, drink beer, eat popcorn. It mixed every night. I was doing three shows a week, and it got burnt out, which is why it took probably a year off this show because I was like, I can't. I need to live life for a while now because I was locked in. That was the only negative I think is I became a workaholic for the podcast in that I was just doing it. I put out so many shows in within four or five months or whatever, however long we were in lockdown, and then when we could get back out again, I was like. Okay, fuck it. I'm, I'm moving out, you know? It is what it is. And yeah. now I'm back. I mean, I'm broke now. I have a mortgage. So, well, happens. I was spending more to live in East Katy than I do to live in the Heights, man. So yeah, there you go. There you go. There's a silver lining to everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, one other thing we want to bring up uh, before we go today is Alex is also a drummer in a band. He plays in a couple two, different bands. Two bands. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, once more country and once more, I want to say more bluesy or no? Or Texas fried? I was going to say, I look um, I look at Oliver as a uh, sort of um, one size fits all country artist. He definitely loves to do um, throwback tunes and crowd pleasers. He definitely orients himself around the Texas audience. Um, we do play a lot of you know dance halls, etc. Whereas Nathan, um, he gets pigeonholed as a country artist because of a lot of the venues that he plays. But I, 
I look at him as just 12 bar rock. Is that the guy I saw you with last? I call it High Plains Heat. You know, born and raised in Amarillo. He's very much still tied to that. All of his music, virtually all of it, is it's about Texas that Blues. Place. Right. I mean, but not with a good not in edge the, to it. Not yeah. in the ilk of Stevie Ray. Yeah, right. Or even, I mean, you know, it's. Yeah. I don't know what. Because when I, I also think of Texas Rock, I started thinking of like the Jesus Lizard maybe and the Butthole Surfers. It's not like that either. Um, Nathan's a harder one to pigeonhole, but I'm definitely in the in the realm of country rock, you know. Yeah. Um, but I always sort of saw that as a means to an end. It's uh, not a genre I grew up listening to, but I'm definitely developing a bigger affinity for every day. And I love seeing, you know, people enjoy it. Oh, there you go. People who like country, they love it, and yeah. I'm 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 proud or pleased to be on board for that reason. How long have you been playing drums? Oh, virtually my whole life. I wouldn't be able to give you an exact age. I I had this Fisher Price snare drum, oh, really? this big acrylic plastic monstrosity, and it had the sticks. It was primary colors. It had like yellow hoops and a blue. Oh yeah, I remember uh, those. Yeah, and then the sticks were red. And they were attached to the drum uh, with string. And at like three or four, I took some scissors to them because I didn't like playing yeah. uh, traditional. I wanted to play with matched grip and follow along like Mick Fleetwood and Nick Mason and oh, all the stuff yeah. my dad was playing for me. And uh, yeah, um, from there, it must have been third or fourth grade. I got my first, it was a very, it was like, you know, an adolescence drum kit with probably like a 15-inch bass drum and like a 10-inch snare, real small. Um, but uh, I think I got my first drum set a few years after that, started taking lessons. Um, and then not having the greatest affinity for authority or academia, just probably around middle school decided I'm, I'm not going to pursue the academic route. But yeah. I was always in and out of bands with my chums. And there were two kids in my neighborhood uh, Creighton and then um, my other friend Josh and we would always just sit and, and jam play along the stuff that we had heard oh, nice. yeah I remember Creighton and I in the ninth grade fell in love with Wolfmother oh really um, okay. yes and just we wanted to play that whole debut record of theirs front to back we didn't even have a basis it would just be me tearing up the drums and him on the Marshall stack. oh nice and nice. Uh, yeah you know I have you talk about fond memories I have the fondest memories of playing music for fun like that and just kind of cutting up over it just doing it oh sweet for doing it's sake oh yeah 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 that's awesome dude um yeah so that's the drumming story fast forward to now i do it i yeah. do it for a little bit of spare change here on the weekends hey, you the, do it well dude you play well well thanks yeah before the pandemic it, when i was in college it was actually kind of my day job i would if i could call it that you know three to four days a week i'd go play with uh my old group here in town little outfit and um yeah that was that was our thing that's awesome man that's yeah. awesome well uh favorite drummer of all time hmm it sounds like you have i like that you have this eclectic and we'll get into this living when or we do the show with caleb living or dead living or it doesn't matter yeah favorite um, of all time your major inspiration 
That is, or your inspiration, and then your favorite of all time. You can give two. Um. Okay. Well, I'll give two modern, and then I guess two that have passed. Uh. But I will say, um, and they're both. Josh Fries is the drummer of the Vandals. Okay. Um, I've heard of him. But he has done studio work with like thousands of people or yeah. upwards maybe not that I've heard the name he played with um, some metal guys too a rock guy so he played in a perfect circle uh, oh okay yeah. I first saw him uh, on June 6 2006 playing with Nine Inch Nails oh wow and okay. it was like that's where I know him from Nine Inch Nails you know he can he can hit like Dave Grohl but he he has uh, the precision of like you know a jazz or a gospel guy he he is so tasteful but plays yeah you know punk and rock Etc. Um, Josh Eppard is the drummer of Coheed, um, who I would say, growing up, was probably the drummer that I played along to the most. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and then upon seeing, like, decided, yeah, you know, if there was someone I could emulate. And he also has a very, um, you know, just cool story, a uh, cool life being in that band and uh, kind of having a spell of, you know, going through some things, taking the time off, and then coming back. And honestly, I think that band is one that has kind of eclipsed their uh, former in- incarnation, but has gotten more successful yeah. in doing that. And, you know, good good for them. That happens. Eppard, uh, I actually had the chance to work for Coheed this last summer. And, um, yeah, just setting up that guy's drums and stuff, it was, it was a real Did honor. you get to meet him or no? Oh, no. Oh, we don't we don't get to hang out with the talent, but I I, uh, I was in line with this drum tech and stuff, and oh, okay. you know it was cool to be around. Sweet. And uh, you know they those guys they're all heroes to me, but I always just loved um, I don't know he's kind of like uh, he's a less busy Neil Pert, you know he's he's great. Not a lot of people sing the high praises of Josh Shepard, but I would. Nice. Yeah. So you're dead guys. <laughs> you're dead guys. Um. Obviously, my second will be the obligatory one, but um, Mitch Mitchell, the drummer in the experience, because um, Hendrix played with drummers later on, mm-hmm. on like I think Electric Ladyland or whatever. But um, yeah, Mitch Mitchell's drumming on Are You Experienced is what I think to be uh, what I would probably like to achieve the most, or what I wow. deem is as near perfect, especially for the music itself and the time and place. Um, and then, of course, I would have to say, you know, playing along the guys, um, John Bonham. I knew, I figured that was going to be one of them. That's a lot of guys, uh, major guy, right? Yeah. But then, um, so not dead, but still, like, alive and arguably as great as those guys is uh, Bernard Purdy. He's a... Uh, known at least to me for his work with uh, Steely Dan oh, but he, okay. yeah. he at the time or at a certain time had the uh, the claim that he was the world's most recorded drummer having played on like so many different hits oh really through the Motown era and all that um, and then I'll uh, also say that uh, Douglas Douglas Clifford from um, he was the original drummer in CCR's original lineup oh, okay I've always had a big affinity uh, for their you know, just scaled back and um, simple approach to rock and roll. And, uh, yeah, another dude who I've probably played along with thousands of hours. But, oh, nice. You know, 
people my age, we're not going to get the privilege of seeing Creedence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot. I could not ever say that there's one. Because as I'm sitting here, I'm dreaming up more. There's, <laughs> Got you, yeah, yeah. yeah. My favorite drummer is any drummer. They're all great. That's awesome, dude. Well, before we let you go, or before we go, uh, why don't we play, what what song's in your head right now? What's your favorite song that you're jamming to on the Spotify, the iTunes, or whatever, Apple Music, Amazon, whatever, you, whatever your platform is? What is your jam right now? Um, Give me a song. Let me, let me let me just open it up. Alex? I had wanted to plug them, and uh, they are one of my favorite new groups, uh, at least in terms of exposure. Um, they are called Portrayal of Guilt. Oh, wow. I don't uh, know them. Based out of Austin. Uh, you would mentioned interviewing Caleb. We had just seen them, and uh, yeah, I'll just give you at least what I think is their biggest tune for uh, for the folks on the airwaves. It's, uh, it's already over. It's already over. Portrayal of Guilt. Let's do it. It's Paul's turn. He has been like he's like the one fan that like he's like the groupie. <laughs> he shows up to the recording session. You guys could have sex or something. No, we're dudes. John, John, we're gonna have to step out again, sir. You're you're being you're being on the wrong side <laughs> of, the, sure. of the line there. <laughs> it's like my only fans video that got leaked. Motherfuckers. So anyway, Paul. Fuck John. Yeah, John. Uh what 
what is your song, dude? Let's do um, Vinnie Vincent, Boys wow. on a Rock. Nice little BBI. That they do. I'm going to close the show with my pick of the show. Uh, this is a band I really dig, man. They, they fucking kicked my ass. I've never seen them live. I want to see them live sometime. They're called The Answer. And The Answer opened up for ACDC. Kind of have an ACDC feel. They're uh, down from... Down below, mate. They're from Australia, mate. Australia. Australia, mate. Yeah. And, dude, they, they, they had this... Raise a little hell. Forget about it. Just fucking great record. They came out with Solace and they changed things up a bit. And it got darker. And then they took a break. So they're back. They've got a brand new record called Sundowner. And uh, this new record's kind of harkening back to what they were doing prior to going a little bit darker on Solace. So happy to see these guys are back. Hopefully they're going to tour the U.S. If they are, I'm fucking there. I promise that. And we'll get the guys on the show. We've interviewed the uh, singer and guitar player in the past, and we hope to have them back. So, how about they got a couple new? Let's just play the new single. It's called "Oh Cherry." Let's do it.
right, guys. Thank you for joining me once again. Another Ragman show in the books. And we have my friend Alex here and Paul, our audience member, who will follow from time to time. <laughs> but, uh, guys, uh, thank you for joining me today. And, uh, guys, thank you for the listening and thank you for the kind comments on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you leave me a comment. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening so much. Uh, and uh, before we let you go, there was a dog walking across the street. And this other dog's looking at us like, I want to fuck that. But I don't know if it's a boy or a girl because the tail's in the way. And it's like, do I see some teats on that dog? Or do I see some horns? So let's give that dog three horns. Oh, 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 o